doesn't happen that fast. You're talking about forming identity in people and you're talking about well-worn grooves and, and a whole lot of your people who are kind of paying the bill, you know who I'm talking about? The older saints are going to go, nah, not going there. And so you're going to have to steal up and you're going to have to tighten up your belt and pull up those big boy pants, you know? It's true. The good news though, is you can start small. Yeah. You know, and we, and we tell them it's going to start with you going on a disciple making journey with your 12. So you're not doing it alone. Yeah. You'll be coached and you'll be mentored and it's going to end up being for you. It's going to take a, like you said, a big humility. It's hard for a church leader who's whatever, 10, 20 years into this to admit, like maybe I've never really discipled anybody. Yeah, it is. But that is the beginning of a disciple making movement. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, hey, how you doing? How's your week going? How's your year started out so far? We're, we're a few weeks in. The new year seems to be chugging ahead with or without us, I guess, right? How's those New Year's resolutions coming along? You getting that done? You lost all the weight you hoped to and grew taller and smarter? And Did you bail on that stuff yet? I, I feel like, uh, I think I shared with you, I don't really set a ton of, quote, resolutions, but I kind of dig goals and all that. But uh, I'm actually a little ahead on certain goals. I hope to be to a certain, you know, weight loss goal. Not, not got a ton to go, but I'd hope to, you know, be certain places in my health and workout regimen and stuff like that by my birthday in May. Um, and I'm a little ahead of the curve to get there. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. How about you? Hope that's going well. All right. Hey, today we're going to be diving into part two of my talk with Rob Wegner. And you'll hear more surprising and emerging trends in the church today as we head into a new and I think exciting future together, okay? But let me ask you first, did you register yet for the Everyday Disciple Challenge that's coming up, right? It's the Future Church Edition. We're gonna teach you how to make disciples in everyday life, how to give you a framework, how to do this with others. That thing's gonna start on January 18th, and I'll be doing these live every day for about 40 minutes or so, live on Facebook, and I want you to join me for it, okay? There's daily live trainings, there's a worksheet each day. There's a little bit of homework each day. You do your homework. You get entered in to win some cool prizes, Amazon gift cards and books and things like that. Yeah, pretty cool, right? Quickly, let me just remind you what's going to be in the training. First day, we're going to talk about what is discipleship, actually. Not everybody agrees on that, and I'm going to give you a definition and a working framework for discipleship that's going to change the way you make disciples of Jesus. It really will. Second day, we're going to go deep into understanding how our true identity changes motivations, our gospel identity, how it changes our motivations and sends us out on mission. That's super, super important. Otherwise, everything becomes new law to people. And like, that sounds exciting. I'll try it, but it's it ends up being due to be, right? Third day, we'll look at ordinary rhythms of life and how discipleship perfectly fits in. And I'll give you tons of resources and ideas on how to start living out your gospel identity in the normal rhythms of everyday life with people, people that are already in your life. And then day four, we'll talk about how Jesus balanced his time and attention as he kind of moved 
acquaintances to disciples to mature disciples, right? And this will kind of give us the, how do we do this stuff? Where does this go? How do we go? Anyway, I hope you'll join me for that, and I hope you'll invite others to join you, like people from your church as part of your training or your people in your missional community or whatever, and then get together and discuss it, you know, separately and see what, how do you apply it, right? You can register for free for, for all of that at everydaydisciple.com forward slash challenge. All right, everydaydisciple.com forward slash challenge. All right, so let's pick up the conversation I had with Rob Wegner. Remember, Rob is one of the founding leaders of the KC Underground, and they're this decentralized network of reproducing disciples, leaders, and micro churches. And they are going for it. Like they are making disciples and helping people do that. He knows what he's talking about. And he starts to get pretty fired up here as we look at some more trends and things that we're seeing, good and bad, okay? And I get kind of fired up in here too, all right? So let's listen. All right, let me go to, let me go to some uh, other questions, okay? Yeah. So we're talking trends going forward for the church, for the future church. What are you thinking, good, bad, or indifferent? Um, what kind of staffing changes and new arrangements are you seeing? And maybe a reshuffling of budget, obviously, things change, you know? What are you seeing when it comes to how a church is viewing or using staff? Great question. Um, I think, for example, I had a conversation with a lead pastor yesterday, and I hope this is a trend toward the future. So again, Corona's been a reckoning. Um, and it's led to them as a church uh, re-embracing the mission of disciple making as the primary. And, but he also realizes, hey, I've got a church, about half of these folks are getting up there in years. There's probably only so far in the transition they're gonna go. Um, but I think I can help, help this church become a platform for another leader that can mm -hmm. launch fresh new micro expressions of the church. Mm. And and so what he's doing is See, there's that humility I was saying though. That takes that takes a humble leader who says, you know, it's all about God's glory and and making disciples to fill the world with his glory. Uh, oh my gosh. Go keep going. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I said sorry. the same thing to him. I said, you are so flat out inspiring to me. Like if yeah. there's 30,000 more church leaders like you in America, it would actually turn the tide. Yeah. It would turn the tide. If and there was 5,000, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that's a, you're right. Yeah. It wouldn't take that many. So basically, you know, he's going to, uh, he's secured. They had to go through a reevaluation of their staff. So there's some people that are not going to be coming back mm. so that they have a salary. So these fresh expressions can happen. And then that there's a budget for that person to work with. Uh, and for him, you know, he's nearing the end of his run. Uh, he, this is what he wants to give his last run to is to be able to help this church get whatever it can get better, 30, 40, 50% better in terms of disciple making, but then allow it to be a platform to launch uh, a network of micro churches under the leader of another, you know, younger leader who's gifted and called and equipped for that. And I'm, I'm actually really encouraged because I think, um, if people that are leading prevailing model churches can look and say, okay, how do we help this expression of the church get 30, 40, 50% better in terms of disciple making, but also create space for like a skunk works. Oh yeah. Right. And then provide staffing and funding to run something that's basically parallel, but connected. 
And I, I do think that's a growing trend. And I think it's boy, oh very- boy I hope so. You know, first I know a lot of people are listening going, I'd love to do that, but I wouldn't have I wouldn't have square one know how to start to lead something like that because I've never that's not the kind of church I've led for 30 years or 20 years, you know what I mean? Yes. And that's not what my seminary is teaching, <laughs> which is a whole other layer of stuff we, we could maybe even get to. I didn't have written down to talk about today, but maybe how seminaries are also going to have to adapt and pivot and change. But anyway, keep keep going. <laughs> yeah. And and I agree with you. I mean, Caesar, this seminary's not prepared most church leaders. There's a, a handful of seminaries that um, are innovators, but by and large, have not been prepared. And And like you, with what you're doing, you know, with Disciples Made, we're trying to come alongside church leaders because we're telling them, you know, if you're willing to embrace about a three-year process, that's about what it takes to actually yep. make the transition. They all but want we'll, it next week, though. They all, well, the board's pushing hard on me and the budget's like thin as, you know, so they're all, want, I'm like, it doesn't happen that fast. You're talking about forming identity in people. And you're talking about well-worn grooves and, and a whole lot of your people who are kind of paying the bill, you know who I'm talking about? The older saints are going to go, nah, not going there. And so you're going to have to steal up and you're going to have to tighten up your belt and pull up those big boy pants, you know? It's true. The good news though, is you can start small. Yeah. You know, and we, and we tell them it's going to start with you going on a disciple making journey with your 12 and we will walk with you. So you're not doing it alone. Yeah. You'll be coached and you'll be mentored. And it's going to end up being for you. Uh, it's going to take a, like you said, a big humility. It's hard for a church leader who's whatever, 10, 20 years into this to admit, like, maybe I've never really discipled anybody. Yeah, it is. But that is the beginning of a disciple making movement. It is. And we, you know, I mean, I got whole episodes on multiple episodes on this. The thing that will keep these shifts from happening is the senior leadership. However, that's structured in a million different ways in churches. It is the senior leadership, not getting to the point going like, okay, I got to live this way. I'm going to need to get a little bit of help to live this way, but I'm going to like, I'm going to humble myself. Let my, my redemption show. I'm going to pass on what I'm learning. I'm going to call people to do it with me imperfectly of course, guess what? We've been doing this a really long time. It's imperfect. It's messy, you know? And, yes, it is. and, and, and the churches, you know, here's the good news. The churches where we're seeing people take those small steps. I mean, that's why we're doing like this challenge, right? Is here's some small steps, core stuff though. Like really, you know, somebody I know wrote a book called small is big, slow is fast. Um, but the <laughs> right small things done over time really will lead to like massive multiplication and change. You got to be willing to start there. But you can't say, well, I'm going to assign that to my director of small groups or something. You know, totally it's like, agree. Guys, you can make him one of your 12. <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah. And, and it's, it's so endearing. Like I was meeting with a pastor of a very successful church here in town who is now ready to make the shift towards micro. Mm. And when we met, he just asked me point blank. He's like, what are the three things that will ruin this? Or what are the three things that, are required, you know, and I told him that slow is the new fast. So you're going to have to embrace like a three-year mindset. That's typically what I use. Yeah. Uh, that's what, that's what it took Jesus. So you think you can do it faster. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you're better than the son of God. That's amazing. Yeah. Then number two, I said, you personally have to be involved. You can't assign this to a staff person, you know, and, 
And number three, you have to be willing to put your money where your mouth is. Like you may need to free up staff time and invest. And he right away was yeah. like, I, I'm committed to all three. And he has been. And that fills me with hope because you're right. When I've seen it not work is when it gets delegated. Yeah. Uh, and the senior leader is basically saying, I want this, but I want to have it through the organization rather than through my personal Even they, Well, I'll thumbs up it. It's not the same because all your preaching illustrations are not there and you're not, you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. You, you know, I'm just doing a little quick math. You think about the amount of hours that Jesus spent with his disciples, right? Like three and a half years is what we kind of get, you know, like it's about three and a half years. He, they kind of did 24 seven together. I'm not saying they didn't sleep, but you know, they were doing life. And so when stuff would happen, right. That's about 30,000 hours, bro. Mm. And if you did the math, <laughs> this isn't a math podcast, but if you did the math and said, how many years would it take at my current level of equipping people? Even if I say, okay, sermon that counts. And, uh, we'll call a small group, you know, Wednesday or whatever, we'll call that hour and a half that counts. And then the equipping we've been doing on, you know, once a month or once a quarter for a couple hours on a Saturday, it would take something like, like, like 180 years or something like, that. you know what I mean? It's like, you know what I'm saying? And it, yeah. and it still wouldn't even be life on life because it's kind of in a laboratory. It's kind of, you know what I mean? It's sitting in rows in silence or behind a desk taking notes or, you know, it's like, do, do you just realize the sheer amount of, that's why I say in three years, that's, that's, that's like pretty hopeful. Now we have the power that raised Christ from the dead now dwelling Amen. in us. So that's why, you know, but that's the number we tell people, you know, we used to say two, it'll take you two years. It's like, no, it's a year to unlearn a whole bunch of stuff. It's a year to start practicing be new beliefs and new rhythms. And then at about the end of that year, you're going to go, oh my goodness. And it's yes. going to start to click and you're going to go, yes. can we start over or about a year back? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it really is. And to, I think the arrogance to think that we're going to somehow do it way quicker. Jesus took 30,000 hours and we'll do it an hour, hour and a half a week or something. How many, how many, how many years? People won't live long enough, man. And then let's just a little reminder, Matthew 28 at the ascension, this is after death on a cross. This is after resurrection. This is after cooking fish on the beach, appearing, touching the holes in his hand inside. It said the 11 who were still alive were there watching as he ascended into the heavens and some still did not believe. What? Which means what? either Jesus sucked at discipleship or <laughs> this takes a long time. It does. And so when they were saying to him like, oh, if we could just hang out with you longer. And he goes, no, no, no. It's really good that I leave. Why? Because mm -hmm. you'll have the spirit of God. Right. And I have people say it pretty regularly to me, like, man, wouldn't it just be so great if we could just be like one of the 12 and get to hang out with Jesus, man? And I'm like, well, yes, but according to him, no. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, that's what I want. Well, I don't really want to wear robes and sandals and stuff and eat that much fish. But um, but he says, no, he says, no, actually, when, when you get my spirit that empowers me. <laughs> in you, when you get that same operating system upgrade, like it's going to change everything. And there's right. so much I could tell you, but you couldn't even handle it. So, so hang out, pray, wait for the spirit, and then go out and tell the whole world and make disciples everywhere you go. <laughs> All right. And, oh man. And the, the joy that people experience when they finally tap into that. I'm thinking about a guy that we've coached down in Texas and um, last January, he's a church leader and started discipling his 12 first guys. Yeah. 
and uh, walking through an experience we've created called Followers Made. And six months to, to learn how to be a disciple who can make disciples. And then he led another group. And he was looking back over the last year. And now that first group, uh, now again, small is big, right? So three of those guys are now discipling 12 other guys. So he's gone. So multiplication, he's been at it a year. It's already starting to happen, right? And then he started talking about transformation and the stories were unbelievable. There was Mm -hmm. a guy who was divorced from his wife and got remarried. Another guy who had a hidden addiction who finally came out. Another guy Mm -hmm. who discovered his calling, started a new college ministry and it's been flying. Like they've been blown away. It's like the hottest thing going on in their church. Another guy who's finally living like a missionary in his neighborhood and his neighbors are coming during COVID to do these social distance pool parties. I don't even know what that means, but (laughs) you know, here's a guy billiards, maybe, (laughs) (laughs) maybe, you know, but I'm thinking like when he was telling us these stories, you can't, it's hard to describe the joy that's there. Cause it's like, here's someone I've been a church professional realized I haven't made disciples, did the repentance, gave myself and look what happened in a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like there's, it went from me and my 12 and now there's 36 and, and a bunch of those people, they don't even know me because <laughs> they're being discipled by someone I discipled and people are getting set free and transformed. And I just want to say to everybody who's listening, like if you're discouraged because you've not been discipled or haven't discipled anyone, what Caesar just said to you is true. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And there's people like Caesar and myself. There's God will give you the coach you need and you can do this. And it's not too late. I don't care how old you are. It's no. not too late, man. You know, you know, you, well, I've known you a long time and, and I was 40 when I kind of got the, and it was kind of that same experience. It's almost audible. You know, we were talking earlier about how sometimes God speaks and it's kind of, he speaks up, you know, and I was 40 running a very successful business, many businesses deep into you know, entrepreneurism. And it was like, you're going to be a pastor now. I'm like, what? Hadn't been <laughs> to Bible school. None of, you know what I mean? And I was 40 when that whole thing started. And then when, when we started living this way, we started making, you know, kind of moved on from the mega church thing and started living this way in community thinking like, you know, what, I'd rather do this with a dozen people authentically. And my kids get to live that life too. And if mm. that's as far as God takes it, but it's real, we see transformation. I, I think I'd rather do that than put on the show for the thousands. You know, I just, me, that's me, me right. But praise God. And listen, we didn't know anything at the beginning. We just were like, we're going to try to make disciples live like missionaries. You know, it's all the same language, right? And within a year, though, we were still kind of mumbling around, we were seeing lots of transformation. And we're seeing people going, hey, I think I can do a little bit of what you've been teaching us. Great. You know, like you're drafting behind, right? That's what Jesus did with his disciples. So, yeah, I mean, I want to underline and underscore all everything you're saying. is like, don't be discouraged. Start where you're at. It's never too late. I'm like a hundred now doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and, trying to do the math in my head. It's like, how old is Caesar? <laughs> oh, I know people don't even believe it, but I, you know, I got married when I was eight. We started having babies at 10. So, you know, <laughs> that's why my kids are like in their sixties. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Listen, I could keep going forever and ever. This has definitely moved itself into a two-parter. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm loving it. Let me, let me ask you one more question. We'll see if this starts to wrap us up. How do how do people listen to this who are either part of churches um, who have this mentality, or maybe it's leaders who like 
by whatever uh, reason, or because that's where their board is, or they're just, you know, hold up. how do you, how do church leaders avoid that hold mentality? Like, we're just kind of waiting, you know, the vaccine's coming. Um, like, I know it's things, everybody says that everything's different forever, but we're kind of still really kind of hoping that it'll mostly go back to how it was. And I guess we'll keep streaming though, for those people, because we don't want to lose those folks now, you know, or whatever. How do, how do, how do people avoid that hold and just wait mentality. I hope I'm not going to sound like a hard nosed jerk here. Dude, your, uh, but, your heart is so good. You're not, you're never going to. I, I would look and say, how much more data and evidence do you need than what you've already had? This pandemic is revealed the incredible fragility and vulnerability of the prevailing model of church. And if, if you want to try to go back to that as your great hope, let me ask you a question. You, you, you think there isn't another storm coming? Because the storm came and let's be honest, how did the current form of church do? How well did it do making yeah. it through the, through the storm? And, and the one thing we can learn from Jesus' message there at the end of the Sermon on the Mount is the storms are coming. Yeah. And ask yourself, is the change in the chaos slowing down or is it increasing? So if you're holding, hoping things are just going to go back to normal, how well did normal withstand the storm? And do you really think things are going to get easier? Or, or is the storm going to get more intense? Yeah. And, and what storms can we not even foresee? Exactly. Because as I, as I turn on the news, <laughs> uh, and I'm looking at political climate and the sea change of where culture is heading, no one's going to be lining up to make it easier to be the church and have open public you know, uh, dialogues and all this stuff. Like we're, it's going to have to be oikos based, family based. I just, yes. the government's going to start peeling away any advantages we think we've had or this it's coming guys. Like I've already seen it happen in Europe and in Eastern Europe and it's changing. And they're like, Oh, the end is near. And I'm like, it's going to be horrible for a little bit and you're going to be stronger than ever. And, and it's, and it's, yes. true. you know, and it's true. But you can't imagine it. And I can't I can't even tell you what those those things are going to be. But you're absolutely right, Rob. The storms, there's more to come. And I don't know that we won't have other pandemics. There are people who are saying it's going to be an era of that now for a bit. And thank God we're getting smarter at coming up with vaccines quicker. Now we just got to figure out how to get them out because now they're just sitting in warehouses. Oh, don't even get me started. But um, there are storms coming either, you know, physical like this, health related or political or just financial. Like, hey, what do you think? We're totally recession-proof forever in this world? I'm not even saying just North America. Uh, no, uh-uh. I've already lived through several. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there is all kinds of stuff happening. And you're right. How much more proof do we need that, like, look back, you know? Each one of these has just chipped away at the model that wasn't making disciples, you know, and producing great spiritual freedom and relational peace anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like, stories. let's... Can, can we just be honest that the model is extra biblical? That doesn't mean it's necessarily incorrect. It's just extra or evil biblical. or something. No, it's not. Right. But I it's mean, certainly but why, extra biblical. Yeah. That's right. a good way and, of putting it. And why do we have to have a death grip on an extra biblical 
uh, time-bound expression of organized church if it's not actually getting the job done. And so I guess if, if there's a church leader who's feeling that, um, I think what it goes back to is I'd ask you to just sit with Jesus and reflect on what is the source of your identity. Yeah, well, because that's, that's always the thing behind the thing right there, man. What what a <laughs> what a great bow to put on this whole conversation. I really is. That, I agree. It, it, fundamentally, the church leader has got a death grip on the extra biblical form of church and hoping it goes back to that. Because that's where they get I, their attaboy. It, that's where their identity was based. And and honestly, like they they were it was fostered upon them in many ways. You yeah. Know? And they stepped into a social contract with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. that see them as the shaman or the magic man and and it's that's a very seductive relationship and so the, but the good news is you are the beloved not mm-hmm. because of anything you've done but because of what Jesus has already done and there's there's healing there's transformation you don't have to live in that insecure place yeah Amen. Spiritual freedom and relational peace await you. <laughs> it Amen. is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I, I and people don't believe it on the front end. They just when you don't understand it, you go like, "Oh, that sounds so hard and messy." And it's like, listen, you'll there's no going back. When once you kind of like start to believe your identity, and it's like you're not living a we call it spiritual schizophrenic life, where you're like, "I'm living my church life, and then I'm living my regular life." You know, like mm-hmm. once you kind of that dies. And you go, hey, I'm all in. Like, we're living our identity. We're making disciples. It's part of our lifestyle. It is so freeing. Yes, this is. whole This whole battle in between time and who's in and who's out. And, you know, is this my time or that? And boundaries and all those things start to wash off. And you go, you know what? In the gospel, I'm completely free to live with an open home. And people can stop by as much as they want. And I'm just as free to go, hey. My wife and I are hanging out with the kids tonight. How about I catch you for breakfast? You know what I mean? It's like exactly. you're just yes. as free. But everybody, we all we all go to the like, oh, my God, I can't even handle it now. It's like you can't handle it now outside the power of the spirit. But there again, you know, back to what you were saying a little while ago, the power that raised Christ from the dead will never lead you further than he's willing to supply you. <laughs> God always supplies what he calls. And he's called us very clearly to make disciples fill the world with his glory that way. And so he will supply it. I'm telling you, the freedom awaits, <laughs> brothers and sisters. <laughs> Amen. It's true. That's my story, man. Yeah. I And we've had such a similar journey in many ways. And I think it's part of what bonded our hearts and our friendship, brother. Thank you so much again, man, for being on here. And just the depth of your wisdom. I hope everybody's hearing that and they're feeling that. Like, this is a good guy. And, and you, you kind of sounded a little jerky there for a second. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hate to be like, no, I'm you know, kidding, the prophet man. with the end is near, but it's like, listen. No, I'm totally jacking. <laughs> I'm totally jacking with you because I get to. Oh, anyway. Hey, listen, Rob, thank you so much. Um, and I, I know that people are going to love this and, uh, and I'm glad it turned into a two-parter and, uh, yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to talk to you again real soon and we'll pick up on this and I'll pick your brain and your heart for some more cool stuff. All right. Sounds great. Thanks brother. Wowzer. Does that turn your crank a little? get you fired up to embrace the future as the church, just knowing that our big worldwide family as a church is out there trying new things, trusting God, humbling ourselves to learn and be taught and grow, try out some new stuff, teach others. Oh, it's so cool. It's 
It's what I've given my life to. It's what Tina and I have given our life to and coach others to. I love it, and I love this conversation. All right, well, I want to get to our big three from our talk with Rob today, and I also want to say, if you're pumped up by this and you wish you were living in Kansas City, well, me too. <laughs> me too, okay? Um, and if you're feeling like you want to be equipped to make disciples who make disciples in everyday life, I want to help you get started right away in your city with your family and church, all right? And so just a little reminder here, please join me for the Everyday Disciple Challenge, the Future Church Edition, okay? It's gonna be starting up here real soon, January 18th, and it's all free. There's four days of equipping and training. If you say, oh, what time is it? I can't make all of them, I don't know. I'll send you a replay link. After you register, I'll have your email address. I'll send you out replay links. It'll all be good, okay? Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash challenge, and join me, invite others to do the same thing, and join me in this Everyday Disciple Challenge, Future Church Edition, okay? EverydayDisciple.com forward slash challenge. It's all free. Okay, so here's the big three from today's talk with Rob. If nothing else, you don't want to miss these, all right? And as always, I'll send you a, a printable PDF of, of this week's big three as a free download if you just uh, go to EverydayDisciple.com forward slash big three, and boom, we'll email it to you. All right, here's the big three for this week. Don't miss these. First, church leaders who choose to lead others to embrace discipleship as a way of life will need to first humbly embrace this lifestyle anew for themselves and their families. Yeah, it's not just gonna happen because you talk about it, right? It's gonna take humility. And it can be scary to admit we don't know everything, but, but who does, <laughs> right? A lot of us weren't discipled in these ways in everyday life growing up. But God gives grace to the humble, and he'll lead you every step of the way if you ask him and step out in faith. He really will, I promise. We've, we've had to step so far out off the ledge when God called us to do certain things, specifically connected to discipleship in everyday life. It had to be him that showed up because, yeah, the results were nothing short of supernatural, really. That'll be the same for you. All right, number two. The power that raised Christ from the dead lives within us and will lead us into the future for God's glory. So many people feel too busy or too stressed to embrace a lifestyle of discipleship in community with others. And to that I say, well, you are, apart from the power of the Spirit. Remember, God always provides for that which he calls his people to. And he has clearly called and commanded us to make disciples in all of life. You can trust him. And third, slow is fast when it comes to learning new rhythms and introducing change. It really is. Slow is fast. It's never too late to get started, though. The opportunity to live the life that Jesus commanded us to live as disciples who make disciples flows out of our true gospel identity. And the future is now. It's always been true of us. So your future starts. <laughs> Here we go. Go for it. Take others with you. And again, get registered for the Everyday Disciple Challenge. Invite your family and friends, your small group and leaders to join you and get started with a proven framework and tools that's working all over the world in every context, all right? EverydayDisciple.com forward slash challenge. Go there and you can register for free. I know you're going to want to do that and I hope that you'll join me. Well, that's it for today. Next week, while I'm doing the Everyday Disciple Challenge, I'll be posting bonus episodes pretty much every day 
with each of the trainings that we're doing. So you can listen to them again as you drive around, go for a run, get your chores done. Don't think you won't, don't want to register though, because I got a lot of visuals and slides and things that I'm going to give you and links to download and all that. But I'm going to post the audio so you can kind of do refreshers on that. And, uh, you know, that way you can just double dip a little bit, right? It's going to be a busy week. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.